Hey, good morning, church. Please open your Bibles to John chapter 15 this morning. Josh and I felt like this would be the perfect text for this day. And we're excited about unpacking John 15 for you here in uh, just a few minutes. I want to welcome all of you who are here in person with us. It's great to see your faces. For all of you joining us online, thank you for participating with us this morning in this worship experience. Uh, Anna, last week, can you believe snow totally <laughs> shut down in-person church, right? Uh, a little snow can do that. Bread was gone. Milk was gone from the grocery stores. But uh, thank you for all the ways you have stayed connected to us, no matter if it's been the pandemic the last two years or last week with the weather. And Anna, today is one of my favorite days. So much going on this morning. There's, there's uh, people who are giving blood. The new arrivals blessing is always just a highlight of the year for so many of us. This afternoon at 5 o'clock, we have the Awakening, which this is a worship experience that we have created uh, monthly in this church to expand and to grow our prayer culture. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the worship time we will have. I have a teaching based on Numbers chapter 6, which Wayne just prayed and blessed us with. Uh, and I'm looking forward to the prayer time that we'll have tonight. So I hope you'll come back and join us today at 5 o'clock. Next week's a big Sunday for us, January 30th. We've talked all month about Commitment Sunday. So whether you're here able to join us in person or virtually, please join us as we commit in deeper ways to God and together uh, as we as we move uh, toward God. So Anna, as we've kind of, you and I have spent a few weeks now in John 15, there's so much we're, we're looking forward to unpacking, but one thing we've talked about with John 15 as it relates to this morning with New Arrivals Blessing and what it means to be a multi-generational church is that we've talked about this idea of stacking uh, decades, stacking decades of faith upon each other. So I'm excited to talk about this with you today. Yeah, me too. And speaking of stacking decades, um, fun fact about Josh and I is we're exactly 10 years apart. Right, 32 and 22. 22, right? of course. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, but I also noticed that neither of us have done the whole 10-year challenge thing that everybody's doing on Facebook. So I thought it'd be fun if we did that today. Are you game? Let's give it a shot. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, it's kind of crazy to think about my life 10 years ago. Uh, I was one year out of college. I went to Abilene Christian University, which you did too. Go Wildcats. I had majored in ministry to children and families, and I was interning at Highland Church of Christ, which is also a church that Josh worked at. So we've got a lot in common, even though our age is different. Uh, but anyways, I was in the process of interviewing for my first full-time children's ministry job, which would happen later in 2012, which means that I've been in full-time children's ministry now for 10 years, which is crazy. So let's take a look at a picture of what 10 years of ministry has done to me. <laughs> yes, I was very wide-eyed and optimistic at the beginning and have a few wrinkles and gray hairs, but uh, in all seriousness, so much change has happened in my life in those 10 years. I didn't plan for this or think about it when God called me into ministry, but um, Sycamore View is the fourth church that I've worked at in those 10 years. Um, but I can look back and see how God provided for me in each of those places and how my philosophy of children's ministry has evolved as I've learned children's ministry in different contexts of these different churches. So I'm very thankful beyond just the growth in my ministry, but my personal growth and growth in my faith in these 10 years um, that I'm just very blessed, and I never would have imagined back in 2012 that I would be here in Memphis, Tennessee today. I'd actually never even 
been to Memphis back then. Um, so who knows where God might lead me in the next 10 years. Well, and there are some things that we may not know about your life over the next 10 years. We just know in 10 years you will be at Sycamore View <laughs> as a children's minister right here in Memphis. Can I get an amen that we, we declare uh, in the name of Jesus this morning? <laughs> So instead of me doing a 10-year challenge, and I, I decided to do a two-year challenge instead, because I think the last two years have aged me more than the last 20 years <laughs> combined. So uh, let me start with this picture right here. This isn't so much post-COVID, pre-COVID, because we're not, this isn't post-COVID yet, but this is kind of like what I feel like right now a lot during the week. I'm exhausted, uh, sometimes tired. How many of you feel like this right here? Anybody? You kind of feel like that? I'm not even a big coffee guy. I just thought it would be fun to make sure I was holding the Sycamore View Cup in this, in this picture. But the last two years, I feel like have aged me so much because this is what I look like pre-pandemic right here okay if you go to the next image I mean this is me now and that's me that that was just two years ago wow you can see the youthfulness the the excitement the energy I mean this next picture I think this was what was online for my uh <laughs> preaching photo right there and then then one more this was uh this was me just two years ago right here I mean this was this is me now and me then oh <laughs> So Anna, it's, it's good for us to have a little bit of fun, 10-year challenge, two-year challenge. But as we talk today about blessing new arrivals and what it means to be a multi-generational church, we love the idea of thinking of what it means to stack decades upon decades, what it means to connect generation and generation to faith. So I look forward to jumping into John 15 with you today. Yeah, let's, let's go there. We're going to read verse 1 through 6 of John 15, if you'd like to join me. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, they are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. So I want us to start by kind of zooming out and looking at where we are in the Gospel of John. We are less than 24 hours away from Jesus being arrested. And so we're in these chapters of Jesus' final words with his disciples before all of that happens. Jesus has just told them that he knows that one of them will betray him and one will deny him three times. And so here in this passage, Jesus is reminding them, I am the true vine, which this is the seventh and final I am statement in the Gospel of John. And if you were at camp last year, Hopefully that's triggering some things in your brain, because we lived in the Gospel of John last year at camp, and we talked about these seven I am statements and how they reveal Jesus' identity to us. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. I am the resurrection and the life, and I am the way, the truth, and the life. And now this final I am statement, I am the true vine. And Jesus doesn't just say this I am statement once, he says it twice. And you'll notice that he says the word remain, or in your translation, it might be abide, ten times in these 11 verses in chapter 15. Ten times. Now, I spend a lot of time with kids, little kids, and their parents and their teachers, and something that I notice that we all do is we, we repeat certain key phrases or words to kids when we really want them to stick. Like, for example, listen and obey, listen and obey, 
can't tell you how many times we say that when we're around the young preschoolers because we really want those words to soak into who they are and who they're growing to become. So I think Jesus is doing that here by reminding his disciples, I am the true vine, remain in me, remain in me, over and over again, because he knows what his disciples will face after he's gone. We know that all of his disciples faced persecution that ultimately led to their death, and so he knew that they would need these truths to hang on to when the times got really tough. And I think it's a truth that we all need in our lives today. Yeah, and I love thinking of that as a truth that they would fall back on Mm -hmm. for the rest of their lives. And one of my favorite things, anytime I read John chapter 15, is how quickly Jesus Jesus establishes roles and responsibilities. There are times when Jesus tells a story or uses an illustration or paints an image and just leaves it to the imagination. So Jesus sometimes will tell a parable and he won't even like explain it all to you. It's left to the imagination for you to try to figure it out. But this is one of those times where Jesus makes it very clear what the roles and responsibilities are. So in John 15 verse 1, Jesus makes it known, I'm divine, God is the one who makes things grow. And by verse 5, he establishes roles and responsibilities also for human beings, I'm the vine, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, God is the vine grower, the vine dresser. Clearly establishes roles and responsibilities. And Jesus does this in a way that is very invitational. Jesus longs for connection with human beings. He wants humans to connect to him. So in a way, Jesus is saying, I want to be connected to you, but Jesus isn't going to force that connection. He's not going to force it, but he's going to invite it. The Holy Spirit's going to urge and compel and convict. The Holy Spirit wants connection. Jesus wants connection, but it's not going to be forced. Now, Anna, one thing that's sometimes helpful for me when it comes to, like, John 15, thinking about roles and responsibilities is what do we do, and then what do we not do? Like, what is not our role and responsibility? Because it's good for me to be reminded as a preacher that my goal is that God wants to use me not to connect people to me and my ministry, but to connect people to Jesus. And for Anna, for you, to, God doesn't want to use you to help other people stay connected to you in your ministry, but to connect to Jesus. For parents we have prayed over today, for the new arrivals, the ultimate goal God has for parents is not that you connect your kids to you for the rest of your life, but that God can use you to connect your children to Jesus. The goal of the church is not to connect people to us, but for God to use the church to connect people to Jesus. And as Jesus uses this image, this illustration of vine and branches and uh, that God is the vine grower, one thing that's really interesting is fruit doesn't grow on the vine. Fruit grows on the branches. So Jesus thinks so much of this partnership with humanity, this collaboration, that the image Jesus uses is that Jesus wants us to stay connected to the vine so that fruit can come from us that will go on for generations to come and that it will be something that will bless the entire world. And Jesus uses an image and paints an illustration that every single person, everybody who was around him, they would have been very familiar with this. Yeah, not only familiar with it because they see it all around them where they live, but those that were familiar with the Old Testament would recognize the vine as a symbol. But in the Old Testament, it's used as a symbol for Israel. In Psalm 80, verses 8 through 18, it talks about how God brought this vine out of Egypt and planted it in the promised land. And it spreads and it grows, but it's eventually ravaged and burned and cut down. And the prophets Isaiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, and Jeremiah take this similar image of Israel as the vine, but it's always lacking in some way. 
Sometimes it bears only bad fruit, or it becomes this wild vine that's uncontrollable, or it's uprooted and it's withering away. So over and over again in these images in the Old Testament, we see Israel is the vine, but they fail every time. They don't heed these warnings of the prophets. They turn away from God. So Jesus is taking that image and turning it on its head and saying, Israel is not the vine. I am the true vine. Israel tried, but Israel failed. So now I'm going to do what you couldn't do for yourself. And in verse 4, it talks about this branch that tries to bear fruit by itself. So I brought a branch from my yard today. I have a lot of these. Um, and I'm not a gardener, but I think we have some good gardeners, green thumbs in the room. We also have people that are in the medical field, perform surgery. We have really crafty people. We have very smart people. Surely if we all work together, we could make this branch grow some fruit, right? If we all put our minds together, no. It's ridiculous to think that we could make this branch grow something once it's been disconnected from the vine. And that sounds ridiculous, but that's what we do in our lives sometimes. Sometimes we try to rely on our own abilities, our own resources, or even relying on people around us instead of relying on God. And I can think of times in my life and in my ministry where I have tried to get through difficult seasons or challenges by relying on those things instead of going straight to the source of life, going to Jesus in prayer and lifting those things up to him. So just like Israel tried and Israel failed, we will fail when we try to do it on our own. But all we have to do, we're making it way more complicated, all we have to do is just remain connected to the vine and fruit will grow. This branch could try all day long to grow fruit and it's not going to unless it's connected to him. And that's what we need to do. Yeah, yeah, to stay connected. So the goal of being a branch, because the way Jesus tells the story in John 15 is like once a branch, always a branch. You don't graduate to become the vine or the vine grower. You're a branch. The goal of being a branch is not survival. It's fruit. It's not just that you try to stay alive. It's that fruit comes from us that blesses generations to come and blesses the world. And Anna, every time I read John 15, I love John 15. But in verse 2, I just like it causes me to pause just for a moment because Jesus explains what, what it takes for there, to, for there to be fruit. Jesus says every branch that bears fruit... He prunes. And I think you know, I mean, pruning involves cutting. It involves removing. It involves tearing away, which, which involves some kind of stress and some kind of pain, which is the very thing that we pray against for many of the new arrivals and for our children. But if we care for like, spiritual transformation to happen in the lives of our loved ones and even in our children, the days are going to come where there's going to be stress and there's going to be pain. So for years, what I did is I prayed for my kids. Many of the same prayers I prayed for many of you is that God would protect your heart. I prayed this over my children. I don't know how many times that God would protect a heart. And I'm sure you have too. And I don't know how you pray these prayers. I don't know if you pray for a hedge of protection, for a wall around the heart, from the flames of the enemy, for a shield. But a few years ago, God shifted that prayer in my life for my own children, which also shifted how I pray for the church and for others. As my prayer became for God, it was still for God to protect, but it was my, my prayer shifted to, to add, in addition to that, was that God would cultivate that which God protects. So God, whatever it is you are protecting right now, will you cultivate what is inside of that? So that heart that you are protecting, will you also grow and mature and transform? I thought some this past week, and Kip, I thought about you a lot because you've had to do this a lot more than me, but any parent, 
whose child has been in surgery before, where you have to release them into the hands of someone else in which they are going to cause a little bit of pain, but ultimately it's for the greater good. Like You know what it's like to release that child at a moment, which can be so hard even when we think about spiritual transformation, that we're praying for our children to grow up, to be transformed in the image of Christ, knowing that there will be moments and, and seasons of stress in their lives, and we're asking God to be involved in every one of those moments. So for any vine to bear fruit, even today, for most fruit to come off of branches and vines, it's the hands of a human being that touch those vines and touch those branches and prunes and does the cutting and, and then even picks the fruit. And so it is, is with us today, too, that every single branch and every single person God takes in his own hand. So, Anna, we could spend a lot more time at John 15, 1 through 6. I love the image, love the illustration, love what Jesus talks about. And in, in a way, John 15, 1 through 6 is kind of easy to understand. Like, you can understand, like, vine, branches, God grows. It's a lot harder to put it into practice, right? Trying to live lives where we remain in this place of connection, where we connect with Jesus. And then there are times you read verses, and sometimes it feels like it's easy to understand, but sometimes it's not, so that we don't really know how to apply it and practice it. Kind of like verse 7 in chapter 15. Yeah, every time I got to this verse over the past couple of weeks, I kind of paused and I had to pray about it, but I want us to read it together today says this, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. And I think the reason I kept pausing here is I worry that if we just take this verse alone, it makes it seem like God is some sort of genie God that grants all of our wishes or a vending machine where we just say exactly what we want and it'll pop out right then and there. No waiting, um, all of that. But we have to remember that that's not the way that God works. I know in my life there are things that I've asked for that haven't happened, and the lives of people around me. I think today is a day that brings a lot of people joy, but it also can bring up pain and scars. If this is something, having a child is something you've longed for and it hasn't happened, or if you're struggling with infertility, or if you've decided not to have children, all of those things we're bringing into a moment like this. But that doesn't mean that we are not connected to Jesus, even if our fruit on our tree doesn't look exactly like the fruit around us. And I think if we keep it in the context of this whole passage, it's all about remaining connected to the vine, connected to Jesus. And when we're so connected to him, the desires and the longings of our heart are going to be aligned with God's heart and God's kingdom values. And so the things that we're asking for in prayer are going to be the things that he wants for us. And so we have to keep going to him in prayer when the things that we're wishing for aren't happening. We have to lay it out to him and be honest with him so that he can continue to shape us and help us grow through those difficult times. There's this song that I've been listening to a lot recently, and I think Spotify has figured it out because they just keep popping it up. But it's called "Listening or Talking to Jesus by Maverick City and Elevation Worship. Josh, you know it. I and it. Um, I love this. It's kind of a story and a song in one. Um, it has the chorus of what a friend we have in Jesus. But the story around this song is this man who talks about witnessing his grandmother praying one day and just how she's just pouring it all out there to God, and she's modeling for him how to pray. And then his mom is bringing him to church every week and telling him, someday you're going to be so thankful that you have Jesus in your life. 
And now he's grown up and his teenage son comes in one day while he's praying. And instead of sending him away, he says, hey, I want you to come and join me. And I want us to pray together about the things going on in your life. And I love that song because it's these four beautiful branches that are connected to Jesus. And the next generation doesn't become an offshoot of their branch. They are trying to model and bring those branches closer to Jesus because they know that that is what is going to bring fruit into their lives. And so often we focus on what children will be when they grow up someday instead of focusing on what they're in the process of becoming right now and how we can come alongside them in prayer for that. Yeah, and that's something right there that takes every single person in the life of a church to take seriously what it means that we are in the process of becoming more like Jesus so that we can help the next generation enter into the lifelong journey of the process of becoming like Jesus. It's who are we in the process of becoming. And, and I don't want you to miss something Anna said just a moment ago, because I think this is so important in verse 7, that when you are connected to the vine, the desires of your heart will align themselves with the desires of God's heart. So what it is we are asking for and what it is that we are seeking will be in alignment with the kingdom of God. So a couple of years ago, we launched our core values for this purpose right there. I mean, that we want to align ourselves with the heart of God. So we launched eight core values that are rooted in the, in the heart of God. Like, this is what God is like. This is what God wants for God's people. And then we launch these eight core values that if this is what God's heart is like, this is what we need to be in the process of becoming too. And one of those really hits, uh, I mean, so much of what we are talking about today and what a new arrival's blessing day is all about. So just a quick recap with the eight core values. Let's try it, okay? okay. We're on Think stage we in front of people, yeah. right? In person, they're online. <laughs> people online probably have the eight core values open right now. They're looking through them. So let's just go back and forth. Let's see if we can knock them out, all right? Okay. <laughs> okay, all right, ready? <laughs> <After We, Webster. laughs> we courageously anticipate the movement of God. We boldly raise up discipleship as the mission of the church. We are passionate about connecting people to God. We willingly stand with the marginalized. We genuinely care about physical and mental health. We're honored to carry the ministry of reconciliation. We are a restoration movement. And we strive to give the next generation a compelling story to live into. Right. We did it. Um, <laughs> um, something I truly love about our church is that we are multi-generational. And days like today are not just for the families that we blessed. They are for all of us. We all have made that commitment, if you remember, you were standing. We all made that commitment to come alongside these families and be a part of these children's lives and support them when they need it. And there's, nobody gets an out on this core value depending on your stage of life. We're all a part of giving this story to this next generation. There's a quote I saw the other day by St. Augustine that says, the life of the parents is the book the children will read. And I wanna add to that if I can and say the life of the parents and the church is the book which the children will read. And that's a huge responsibility. And that book isn't just being written in what we teach them here on Sundays and Wednesdays. That book is being written in how we live our lives outside of these walls, how we love our neighbors, how we serve our city. And someday we want that book to be something that the kids take, the next generation takes, and they make it their own and they live into it. And that's so exciting, but that's a huge responsibility that we all have to be a part of that process and reminding ourselves that if we just stay connected, that's our goal is to connect these branches to Jesus. 
Yeah, and then I know a lot of times when we talk about multi-generational church or multi-generational community or a new arrivals day or a senior Sunday or a baccalaureate or graduation, a lot of times the image it is used is passing the baton, right? You're in a race, you're handing it to the next person. Now, did you do track and field back in high school? Were oh, you yeah. in the sprint relays? Were you? No, okay, I, I didn't either. But I mean, you and I, we've seen the Olympics. We, we know how this goes. And in, especially in a sprint relay, what I've learned, <laughs> I was listening to a podcast the other day, it had nothing to do with track and field, but they used this image. There's a 20-foot exchange zone. And in that 20-foot exchange zone, there's so much that can happen that can make the race better or that the race can fall apart. For one, the person that is having the baton handed to them are not turned around looking for that baton. They're, they just put their hand behind. It is up to the person who is carrying the baton to place it in the hand so that the race can continue. And so it is this morning, right? Like we are called by God to carry faith in a way that we are handing it on, we are placing it in the hand of the next generation. And if you ever watch a race, only for a short moment of time are both people holding the baton at the same time. There is an exchange. Because a lot of people are carrying that and they hand it on and they don't want to let go so the next person can run how they need to run. We want to keep holding on to it. Two people don't run around a track together holding the same baton. At some point, we let them run, and their posture and how they run may look differently than how we ran, but they're holding the same faith, running the race. And they need people who will faithfully carry faith in God, because if we don't, there's going to be someone else or something that's going to attempt to hand them what they call a compelling story to live into, but it, there's no story. Other than the story of Jesus, it's compelling enough for people to live into. So, and as we run this race, and today as we even think about these, these young ones we've blessed who can't even walk yet, we know it's going to come quick. But the goal of running a race of faith, and the goal of running a race is not just a finish. And it's not, and it's not just heaven in the end, as great as heaven's going to be. The ultimate goal of running the race of faith is Jesus from beginning to to end and everywhere in between. It's Jesus. So Anna, today we've walked people through John 15. And in John 15, one thing you and I have talked about over the last few weeks is one thing we love about this is that Jesus doesn't create some lofty, overbearing expectation, but Jesus extends an invitation into connectedness, into what provides a loving, joyful, meaningful life. We're going to move now into the table, and sometimes it helps me as we have this moment of communion to have a few questions to reflect on. So we're going to throw a few up on the screen, and if you want to hone in on one of these or all of these as you process um, John 15 with us. How am I remaining connected to the true vine in my life right now? Where do I see fruit growing in my life or in the lives of those around me? Do I feel like God is pruning an area of my life in this season so that I can bear even more fruit? Do you remember both of us when we were like working through these questions yeah. and when we got to the third one, it was like, oh, do I really want to wrestle with that? Yeah. The Lord's table is a place of reflection, commitment, and recommitment. And without the cross and resurrection, Listen to this, without the cross and resurrection, there is no living vine that we get to remain in. 
So today we're declaring as a church that we don't hang on, we don't hang on just to an event, we don't hang on to a belief system, we don't hang on just to a sound doctrine, we hang on to the one who has given it all so that we can be connected and stay connected to a living, breathing, active God. In John 15, 8 through 13, here's what Jesus says. Here's how he, here's how he finishes his story. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain, remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. We're going to ask that you hold your communion cups for a moment here. If you're joining us online, hopefully you have some communion moments to take to join us in this moment. We're going to put that verse 13 up there on the screen because it really comes down to this, the sacrifice of Jesus and what he's modeled for us. And then that, that first question to reflect on, and if you'll join me as we pray for the bread and the cup. God, we thank you for this reminder today that you are the true vine and that our job is to just be connected to you and to your son, Jesus. We thank you for the way that you, you hold us and you mold us and you prune us in seasons, God. And as we come to the table today and we hold this bread and this cup, knowing that you sent your son, Jesus, to do what we couldn't do for ourselves sacrifice his body and his blood to cover our sins. And I pray that as we take these elements today that we'll remember that sacrifice and we'll take those with us as we go out and try to be branches in this world, try to point people to you and get them connected to you. And I pray that only through you that fruit will grow in our lives so that we can continue to reflect your love that you sent. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Take the bread and the cup with me.